Hey there. Greetings. Hello, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your presence through the virtual waves of the internet. Welcome back to 100% BS. My name is Belle Solonat. Today, we are talking about what it really means to trust yourself. Because in the world of self-development and self-help and spirituality and all these fun things that are raging on the internet and in people's lives for good reason, we can sometimes lose the message. So I want to touch on kind of one specific aspect um, that I've been talking about on my um, Instagram and online and something that I think about a lot. Um, But before I get into that, I was in a death scroll on on Netflix last night. You know what happens when you death scroll. You're looking for a movie, hoping to find some inspiration. 30 minutes goes by, you still haven't found the movie, and suddenly you're watching a random movie from the 90s. That is terrible. So I learned something interesting, which I had kind of already sensed from movies from the 90s slash 2000s, where mar- marriage is portrayed in like the worst possible way like every pre-wedding scene where the bride and groom are on their way to the wedding or like at the chapel wherever getting ready talking to their friend and they're always miserable like they always literally would rather be anywhere else on earth than about to get married and it just concerns me because I feel in my uh tin hat land tin hat tin foil hat land where I make everything into a conspiracy about how we've been conditioned. But seriously, I feel like these movies portray marriage in an awful way where the man like is literally just feels like he's like living the last day of his freedom. They're always like, Oh, it's like your last day of freedom, whatever. And then the girl is like really, really anxious and the mom and dad are making her more. It just seems terrible. And they basically portray relationships and marriage as just, something to not look forward to and something that's like the end of the fun part of your life. And that always bothered me because A, I understand some like relationships and marriages don't, aren't great, which is why a lot of them end in divorce. However, I wonder if some of our conditioning and the movies and the media and the way that they choose to portray marriage makes us accept relationships that are actually doomed from the beginning because it's been normalized to have basically like a really shitty relationship that is just not at all built on like commitment and friendship and like respect and all these things that successful relationships are built on uh, in my experience. So I just thought that was an interesting observation and I would be it would be interesting to see if someone has like studied the portrayal of marriage in general in movies and like if it's overwhelmingly negative and if it glorifies relationships that are actually like pretty trash and not set up for success so I don't know it kind of makes you think you know about all this media we're consuming and how it's shaping us and what it's doing to us so that was interesting yeah, I just genuinely feel like marriage in most movies is portrayed as like a horrible thing that no man is ever interested in. And I just think that that is really sad and horrible because you can, I know of relationships and I have 
heard the modern take on love and relationships that you can create something so beautiful that is not at all like a death of self. And that's like what it's made out to be. So that's just an interesting observation and actually leads me into what I'm talking about today in under the umbrella of our conditioning and media and outside sources of information and how they make us think about ourselves in the world. So to introduce this topic, um, essentially what I'm diving into is these concepts about trusting yourself, trusting your intuition, knowing yourself, and this concept that you have all the answers within you. And I think, you know, the nature of social media really simplifies a lot of profound topics and makes them kind of lose meaning. Because again, because of the way that social media works, it tends to be shorter captions and you have lots of little quotes and text posts that mean really well, but end up kind of watering down the concepts, which it's not really anybody's fault in general. It's just kind of the way that these apps are built and the way that we use them and in that like quick form. So it just got me thinking because I think this is something that comes up a lot is when essentially there's this like self-help industry that has blossomed, especially in the last two years. And I think it started kind of growing like over the last five years, five years ago, where Obviously, like there's a lot to sell people in the form of self-development, whether that's a book or coaching or a guru or like a documentary or basically all these products and and things to consume all about how you can improve yourself, you know, uh, self-help, focus on yourself, grow, self-development, all these things that are really great in theory and a lot of times in practice, but they kind of can get misconstrued, especially when it becomes an industry and especially when we kind of forget the the bigger meaning behind it. So I was inspired to talk about it because number one, this whole topic and idea of trusting yourself and coming back to your intuition and, and inquiring within and all these ideas, I think are really important and are a huge um, tool we have to improve society overall and to face a lot of the issues that we face today, whether it has to do with the pandemic, whether it has to do with politics, whether it has to do with your personal life, your relationships at work, it's really all connected. And if you listen to this show, like I'm a very big proponent of individualism in terms of taking responsibility for yourself and recognizing that that's going to trickle out into your community, the people around you, and then, you know, the world. So I posted something on this topic and I'll just read the caption because I basically was covering a few of the topics that I'm going to dive into today. I think it's a good introduction to sort of basically dissect what I'm talking about. So let me read this to you in my, this was one of those, um, I've been writing more. If you're curious about my writing, you can check it out on Substack. I'll link it in the description, but it's bellasolanot.substack.com. And I kind of just stream of consciousness, but in a clean way, put my thoughts together. So anyway, this is like my writing style that's very, um, I receive a bit of inspiration and then I just run with it. So here's the caption of what I shared um, the other day. So. This app, these systems, your conditioning, and many outside influences will have you believe that your worthiness and goodness as an individual is dependent on you doing as you're told and falling in line with somebody else's fabricated narrative. 
any mob behavior of trying to shame people into agreement, any attempt at basing your morality on whether or not you agree with said issue, any form of convincing you that an entity outside of yourself knows better is revving the engine of the car taking you further and further away from the most divine instrument of knowledge that exists, yourself. You may not hold all the answers right now. You may not have it all figured out. You may and always will have a lot to learn, but in no way does that mean that you need to outsource your intuition or your knowing or the trust that you seek. Divisiveness in this climate wants you to base your moral purity on agreeing with a majority, even when you know deep in your bones it might be wrong, even when you feel it in your toes that something is afoot. Disagreeing with the majority does not inherently make you a bad person. The sooner we allow that truth to exist, the better things will get. Lately, I'm becoming more and more convinced that the saying, we're all just walking each other home, is so true. It's about coming back to yourself, taking back your power, remembering that you had it in you all along and you just needed to find it. The beautiful part is, things cannot be found if they were never lost. And that's why it's okay and it's good and I am enthusiastic about every ounce of fuckery that comes my way because it is a chance to say, aha, I have been gifted a brain and a heart and a soul that I can use to parse through reality and come to my own decisions. That is your power. So that was basically covering many, many concepts all in one. It really comes down to that concept of coming back to yourself and trusting that you actually do hold the answers. So what I'm going to dive into now is a bit of expanding on mob mentality and tribalism, what it means for your morality, for your morals and goodness, if you agree or disagree with the majority and coming back to the best instrument of knowledge, like I said, which is yourself, the coming home, the inquiring within and the trusting of intuition, whatever that is for you, that inner knowing. But so where things get kind of confusing and distorted is that these concepts in general that you can kind of like fit under the umbrella of self-help and self-development and, and focusing on yourself, it can kind of be mistaken for never looking to other people for help or for expertise and basically never asking other people for help for learning and essentially acting like you know better than everybody else, which is not the point at all. Like it very much, very much misses the target when this turning inward becomes you thinking that you're better than other people and that you know better than anybody else. And the wording is a little bit tricky because a lot of times, and I think I'll probably say this is like, I'll probably, I've probably spoken the sentence, you know, better than anyone else, but it's not to say that you're better than someone else. It means for you as an individual and as a sovereign being, the best place to look for the answers is never going to be in a book, in a guru, in a coach, in some other place for what you should do, it's going to end up coming down to you. And I'm going to get into like how that actually plays out. Cause I know that that concept can be thrown around and it's like, okay, that sounds nice, but what do I actually do with that? So basically like the, 
I would say the misinterpretation and the mispractice of these ideas ends up where you have the self-obsessed and the self-focused extreme that leaves you in a perpetual state of quote unquote doing the work and you're constantly healing, but you never actually make any progress, which is also not the point. Um, I saw something that this uh, psychotherapist from the UK posted that also touched on the subject. And I wanted to read a couple of her posts because I thought it was really well said and why not uh, as a thought starter. So I'm going to really try not to butcher her name. It's Sirat K. Chala. She's really amazing. um, Her... Sorry, her Instagram thing is just S-E-E-R-U-T-K-C-H-A-W-L-A. I'll probably like link it or put it in the video. So she says, Eric Hoffer said, every great cause begins as a movement, becomes a business, and eventually degenerates into a racket. This applies to the self-help industrial complex. So as I was saying before, you have like, obviously the general good intention of helping people, self-development, self-help, but it's of course, an industry as well where people are selling products and services. And as with any business, as with any industry, it's totally subject to corruption and taking advantage of people, all those things that we know with many other industries. So she says, the focus has shifted from helping oneself to focusing solely on the self into self-fascination and self-worship. Self-help, self-help is morphing into self-affirmation self-care into self-indulgence, boundaries into rigid ultimatums, and introspection and self-inquiry into narcissistic self-focus. Online self-help focuses on either codifying normal aspects of the human experience into unnecessary and endless labels or vacuous affirmation and platitudes. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be to be working. Despite the self-focus and indulgence, people are still struggling with self-esteem. Despite the barrage of relationship advice, attachment styles, and jargon, people are struggling to form meaningful connections and reciprocal relationships. The chronic self-focus might have armed people with a laundry list of labels, but they don't have an embodied sense of self. The problem with this racket is that it gives one the sense that you're doing the work or on your healing journey while you walk with no end insight on a proverbial treadmill. You can't replace profundity with what is found in a fortune cookie and expect the same results. So I love that because, um, as I touched on, it's, it's basically like that extreme where self-help and self-development goes awry and just ends up like spiraling into you spiraling you into perpetual like I'm improving I'm working on myself but you never actually get better your relationships don't improve and you're just self-obsessed and like you never leave the bubble of your own head and basically I think that that's where things go awry is thinking that trusting yourself and focusing on your self-development the self-development means that you can disregard what other people might tell you or you cannot think about your impact that you have on other people. It's like the extreme of, you know, people say it's okay to not be okay where you basically end up staying not okay forever because of that excessive focus on yourself that ends up just being detrimental. And that whole saying like it's okay to not be okay 
Like generally, I think most people would agree, yes, that's fine. But the point is that you're supposed to like apply self-love in that moment as a motivation to get out of that not okay state because ideally you want to end up being okay someday, at least in, in my view. So my thinking on this is that The whole point is that guiding people to turn inwards is meant to be a tool for self-improvement that is then meant to shift responsibility away from an outer entity and turn it towards yourself. So it's more about accountability, open-mindedness, checking biases, doing the actual work. You know, real self-help involves discipline and accountability for your actions and your impact on other people. And then obviously it all trickles out friends, family, community, the world, etc. So just because someone says you have all the answers doesn't mean that you actually turn to the extreme of never learning from anybody else and just staying in your own bubble and thinking that that's the end all be all. And I think what this really comes down to is being very intentional and conscious about the way that you consume Because the problem is we have this default consume mode that's been very much taught and ingrained into into society where you're conditioned to consume, you're blindly trusting. They say, listen to the science, do as you're told, follow the experts. You can't disagree with the majority. Like all these things that were literally a told to our face, either as a kid, it's like, do as you're told, behave. Your approval depends on you following what you're supposed to be your approval depends on doing what you're told like break that down and think about years and years and years of being told do as you're told behave follow what they say trust us what would that do to an individual and their ability to think for themselves it's completely outsourcing your sense of knowing what is supposed to be right and wrong and places that morality and your pureness and goodness on your ability to follow what other people tell you. So it's pretty insidious because it removes the important factor of processing that information through your filter, through yourself, through your sense of self, that embodied sense of self. And so especially in the last year, we've really normalized looking to other people to tell us what to do and we blindly trust and we blindly follow whatever the majority mob is telling us to do and so I'll see you know people talk about not being able to date someone because they have a different political stance right like I've been on the on Instagram and I found this post that was like someone needed relationship advice and they're like oh my partner has it a different political standing than I do. Like, what do I do? And a lot of the comments were literally telling the person like, yeah, their political stance like is going to directly tell you about their morals and if they're a good person or not. So if you're not aligned, you probably shouldn't be together. Like a lot of comments saying that. So again, it's like telling people that their goodness and like your approval for other people, for your partner, for your family, for society, for your coworkers to approve you and consider you a good person. Cause a lot of people want to be perceived as a good person. Like that's pretty normal. Like we say, we don't care, but 
you all, everybody cares a little bit and it's a pretty normal goal to want to be perceived as a good person. Like most people don't want to be viewed as evil, right? So basically when I see that kind of talk online, again, it's online, so it's hard to know if that's real life, but I feel that it is a true uh, norm, a true behavior to say like, if you're with someone or a friend or dating someone who doesn't have the same political stance as you, that suddenly that for sure means that like you can't be together because you must not have the same morals, right? Like they're a bad person. And my take on that is I honestly think that if you can't date or be friends with someone who has a different political stance, that shows more about your inability to relate to someone who's different than you than it does about that person's goodness, their morals, or like how they think about certain issues. And this is really important because this is how like these these conditionings, these norms, they trickle into individual level, right? The media is constantly pushing us to think, oh, CNN says this and all the Democrats hate all the Republicans. So if you're a Democrat, there's absolutely no way that you could coexist with a Republican. And then you have a relationship and you come into it and you're like, wow, this person's great. They seem really wonderful. They're so nice to their mom. They're great to the waiter at the restaurant. And then you find out, oh shit, they're the different political party than I am. That must mean that they're not as good of a person as I am. And the problem with that is you're completely ignoring nuance, complexity, the complexity of truth itself. And you're playing into this idea that the majority and whatever group you're in is a cult that if no one if other people in your life aren't part of it that's a no-go right it's not a cult like and we shouldn't be acting like it a lot of people do act like it but the point is to remember that it's not a cult and you can actually coexist with people and you can actually learn from people who think differently and then people will be like oh but you know some extreme let's say the most common example of people say like, oh, if you're Republican, then like you're racist and whatever, which literally is so, so ignorant to think that like someone's political party could suggest anything about their true character. Like that's extremely, extremely reductionist. So basically those behaviors are adding to this idea that if you don't align with a certain approach or certain ideology, that makes you a bad person. So what we end up doing is we blindly fall in line and we agree because we don't want to be canceled. We don't want to be seen as a bad person, right? It's preying on every person's desire to be seen as good, to be seen as virtuous, to be seen as worthy and deserving, right? So because we've been conditioned and trained to do as you're told in order to be approved, you have to behave to get the award right? To get the reward, right? So all of these behaviors trickle down into how you're perceiving information as an individual. And so instead of turning back to yourself, you're looking out at everybody else and what everybody else is thinking, what everybody else is reading, watching, listening to, to find your sense of who you are. Instead of turning back to yourself and thinking, how do I feel about this? Does this feel right to me? What's my gut reaction to this issue, to what this person's saying? Am I supporting this idea because I independently think it's the right thing to do? Or am I supporting the idea because a bunch of people 
are telling me that it's the right idea or a bunch of people are shaming me into thinking that it's right. And so it seems so basic, but the problem is that, again, the conditioning and the norms are telling you, no, you have to fall in line. You have to be part of your group. Like the tribalism is real and it's also partially built into our DNA. That doesn't mean that we can't like break out of it and be aware of it. So turning inward and remembering that you have all the answers means that as you intentionally and consciously consume, you filter it through your perception, your experiences, and your sense of self. Because if you just read, watch, listen, and observe and absorb without critical thinking, then you just slowly become this glob of outside influences. And again, you lose your sense of self. And that's what makes it so insidious is that it's slow and steady and the years go by and eventually you don't know who you are anymore and where these ideas came from in your head and you're just agreeing and you're just like, yeah, like, I don't know. It's just, that's what everybody's telling me to do. And yeah, I think that's the right thing because, you know, my friend Janet must, she seems like a good person and she agrees with this idea. So that must mean that I have to do that too, right? So the reason why we don't break from that is a as i've said like eight times the conditioning that we've literally like it's a legitimate form of repetitive teachings and sayings and like behaviors that get ingrained in you since you were a little kid it's very very difficult to face yourself because all of these things turning inward requires you to sit with yourself and think through What do I really, really think here? And when you do that, it's possible that you're going to disagree with something that your friends or your family, your community or your job says is the norm. And that's very difficult to face, which is why I get that most that it's a hard thing to do. Right. Like we have to understand what we're asking people to do here. And so, yeah, just frankly, I think that most people don't want to put the work into figuring out how they really feel and it's interesting because I'll have conversations with the people and I'll tell them what I think and, you know, just very curiously open the door to, oh, like I saw this thing. It's so interesting. Oh, I learned that this and whatever. And just sharing my opinion. And some people will just respond with, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have an opinion on that. Like I, you know, ignorance is bliss. Like I, I'm good not knowing, right? Like I'm good not digging into it. And Again, like that option is so easy because you're constantly fed what to do, what to eat, what to think, what to say, what to tell other people to do. It's literally everywhere, everywhere you turn. Like this has existed for a long time. Throw in social media and phones and iPads and TVs and smart TVs. Like it's all the all, everywhere, all the time. People telling you what to think and what to say. And so obviously the default mode is to just consume blindly and to just adopt every other idea other than your own because it would take work and it would take a lot of reflection to come to an understanding that is your own and is not based on what somebody else has told you. But so the reason why I think this is so important to understand and so important to talk about is because I truly believe that if more of us took the time to properly parse through the influx of information, we'd come to different conclusions than we think the majority conclusion is. And so that so-called mob wouldn't be so in agreement with things like 
casual dehumanization and tribalism and divisiveness that is so obvious when you take a step back. So it's just fascinating because people will do this thing on Instagram where they'll put like a question box and it says like, share your unpopular opinions. And then the person who created that story will then like share the unpopular opinions and either just like let them sit there or respond. And it's funny because what most people think is an unpopular opinion is actually just like what most people are afraid to say, but most people would agree with it. So you see that there's this trend happening where these narratives, right? Like I'll say the narrative and it sounds so elusive, right? But it's, it's the media, it's the consumption, social media. It's like what Twitter people are saying, like all these things that we take as fact, they distill down into the individual person and how they're thinking about the world. So then someone says, tell me your unpopular opinion. And people put it in the box because it's anonymous and you can get it out there. And it turns out that people are like, oh, I actually totally agree with that. Like, I think that too. And so that shows you that I really think if we took the time to filter through ourselves, our sense of self, right? You have an intuition, you have your mind, you have a body, like all these mechanisms that can help you figure out what you really think about it. And you can sit and do like, as if you're in school, just thinking through like, this is an interesting concept. Is this in line with my experiences? It's not in line with my experiences. Is it possible that it's still true? Is it possible that I've had a different experience, but maybe I can meet someone else who's going to show me that this is an okay way to think, right? So it's literally, it's just critical thinking in, in the, in the practical way. And I really, that's why I really think if we did that, if more, more people did that and it was normalized and encouraged to filter through yourself, instead of just blindly accepting all these outside sources of information that our majority, our mob, whatever that big group is that is deciding how things are supposed to go, that things would be different and people would be coming to different conclusions. But somebody, some group, whether it's the media, it's Fox, it's CNN, it's the president, it's whoever tells us what they think. And we've been trained to follow it so blindly that it distills down and you're at dinner with your friends and everybody's spewing the same thing and lying to each other and lying to themselves about what they really think because we're afraid that if we say something different, we'll be shunned and we're a bad person. And we'll think that our partner won't love us anymore, that our parents won't approve of us because we've been told since age two, do as you're told, sit down. If you want to get playtime, you have to do this, this exchange, instead of talking about it in a related experience, right? This is amazing doctor... Uh, Larry Pilevsky, and he, he, he pointed something out that I thought was so profound. It was so simple. It was about how you speak to your child. Someone will, you know, walk up with their toddler to, to a friend and they'll say like, Hey Billy, like say hi to whatever, say hi to whatever, right? Seems so innocent. But over time you accumulate all these experiences where your kid is being told what behaviors must be acted out instead of exemplifying what those behaviors should be and allowing the child to explore those on their own. And so the other thing that Dr. Larry, Larry Pulaski talks about is communicating to a kid in a related experience. So if your kid is like screaming at the airport, right, you'd be like, stop yelling, stop yelling, like 
calm down, whatever, like just telling them like, shush, please behave and do, do what I'm telling you instead of I need you to quiet down or I need you to finish your dinner. I need you to, right? You're relating and showing that it's not just you commanding the child like they're a puppet, but treating them like an individual. So that's kind of a random aside, but it really all connects because the more that we play into these behaviors of saying that your agreement with this and you falling in line with this idea means that you're good and accepted and you have a seat at the table if you agree with us, is just only further perpetuating the idea that our inner knowing is not the best thing. And that's wrong because we, I believe, should be bringing people back to themselves so they can use all the functions they have built into their body, mind, and soul to parse their information and actually think about what they want and what they need and what they think, what they think they should do. So the reason why this has a big connection to spirituality, as I mentioned at the beginning, is at least in, in my experience, like my... I guess you'd call it like awakening, which is an interesting term that I could go into in itself. But basically like when I started to just question things beyond face value, I guess I'd call it, um, there's a spiritual aspect, spiritual aspect of it. And my kind of inquiring within really helps me to then parse through the world and current events and like figure out, figuring out what I think about all these topics that we're faced with. So With spirituality, it's really common for people to do what's called spiritual bypassing, which is essentially like you deny the existence of a real problem by buying into the basic idea of like, oh, it's just mindset or you just need to heal more or like just think positive thoughts, right? Like affirmations, which are all really great things, but sometimes like there's a really deep-rooted issue that needs to be looked at and worked through or there's like a more immediate solution needed that like someone's drowning you can't just look at them and be like look at the bright side you know that's like the common like cartoon example of spiritual spiritual bypassing but so the reason why that is related is because this behavior of affirmations and positivity and mindset, it can end up being so self-focused that you forget that you as an individual are going to ripple effect into everybody else, right? So if you're just so focused on your own world and I'm successful, I'm successful, I'm positive, I'm happy and whatever, but you actually have underlying problems or trauma or things that you need to deal with, but you're ignoring them because you're spiritually bypassing and just telling yourself that everything's fine. That's why you end up in this perpetual doing the work situation but you never actually improve like you're just staying in the same state because it's okay to not be okay and i'm working on it whatever affirmation affirmation and you never get to the root of the problem and so things get really self-obsessed because we forget the whole point of turning inward and self-development so that you can take those revelations and you can take those improvements And you can bring them back to your community and you can bring them to other people and use them to be in service to others. So that's the part that people miss. And that's the part that's too long to explain in a tweet or a text post on Instagram, right? Is like the whole point of turning inward is to improve yourself so that you have a better impact on other people and so that you can be of service to others. So 
all the gurus and the coaches and the influencers, they all have amazing tips and tricks, which are great, but it gets to be too much when you look at them for all the answers and all these fixes when all of those answers exist in you. And this is why it comes down to you. Because when you look inward and you take responsibility and accountability for who you are, what you do, the impact you have on on other people, the ways that you think, what you're telling other people to do, when you look at yourself, you're going to find that A, maybe you think differently from a lot of the norms. And if so, you want to become comfortable enough to start to speak those truths because if nobody says it, then nothing's going to change. And you're going to start to realize that there's this trust in yourself. And the more that you trust yourself and realize that you have this ability to understand the world and to parse the information and to use your intuition, your gut feeling, or your mind, all these things to understand how the world works and how you work as an individual and how your actions impact others. When you come to a place of trusting yourself and you learn more about yourself, Everything you learn about yourself, you can apply to other people. So you can say, oh, you know what? Because I've seen in my own life, my own ability to make a decision that I think is good for me, my ability to critically think about a topic, my ability to have a functioning relationship, my ability to be compassionate, or you're going to realize I get really triggered or I get really hangry and upset at other people or I project my emotions onto others and I take my anger out when I haven't sorted things out enough. You realize that because of this concept of oneness, other people do that too. And so there's less putting the blame on other people and more taking accountability for yourself. It's that mirror concept that everything is a mirror and you're just seeing other people are showing you things about yourself and a lot of things that make you triggered and uncomfortable are more misalignments in you than it is what the other person is saying. And that is why the coming back to yourself is so important because you can't point, you have to stop pointing fingers at some point. You have to stop blaming other people and take accountability for how your piece of the puzzle is affecting what's going on. So take any modern problem whether it's the biggest problem we've been facing in the past two years, whether it's something political, something in your community, something in your family, instead of saying, oh, well, if this person doesn't agree with this, then they must be the issue because I'm moral, I'm moral, I'm good. I I have virtues because I agree with the majority that's telling me I'm a good person if I do this thing. And you're going to realize that that's not how it works. Because you're only just pushing off the responsibility onto other people to solve the problems instead of realizing that we're literally all part of the problem. And the sooner that we act like it, then the sooner the problem gets fixed. So that's why you have to come back to yourself. And it's not a self-centered thing. It's not self-focused. It's not obsessed with yourself to the point that you forget about everybody else because that's not the right way to do it. Because that results in you never actually fixing or working on the things that could make you a better person. So that is my take on all these issues. And 
oh yeah, I really liked that episode a lot. I thought that was great. Um, yeah, so those are my thoughts on coming back to yourself, trusting yourself and all of those topics that can be too complicated to explain in one Instagram post. So um, I really, really hope that you found something valuable from this. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you send it to a friend, share on your Instagram story, text to your family chat, spread the word. And thank you as always for tuning in. I really appreciate it. If you super enjoyed this, consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, the show is on YouTube. You can subscribe there. And that's it. I will leave you to the rest of your wonderful day. So talk to you guys later. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love, many blessings, and talk to you later. Bye.